801 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. Finally, I forgot to mention this earlier when we were doing preseason coverage of the Canucks with Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and Ingle Magazine. But all Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up just got easier for modern suit and tuck sales, fashionable menswear, and same-day rentals. Visit them online at blackandlee.com. Real quick, a few of you pointed out last segment that I used the old intensive purposes instead of the correct phrasing, intents and purposes. That's just a funny thing I like to do on the show. One of my favorite all-time shows, The Sopranos, two-thirds of the lines were basically malapropisms. I'm a big fan of them. Like when you say, yeah. you know, we were out there dancing the flamingo. Trailer Park Boys does it a lot too, Yeah, Ricky. they do it a lot too. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Good. so I just like throwing them in. Worst case, Ontario? Yes. <laughs> Wasn't there a guy on in Living Color that did that too? Ooh, oh, wow. That is a, yeah. Who was that? I forgot about that show almost entirely, considering how much I watched it. Right. It yeah. wasn't Fire Marshal Bill. No, it, it wasn't was, Homie it, the Clown. It was like the um, the educated prisoner, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes. I don't remember the character off the top like of my head. Like the guy who goes to prison and starts reading books, <laughs> but doesn't read them that well. Moj, I'm sure, has been enjoying all of this conversation, and I heard he was listening to the pizza robot bit. He was uh, surprised it was hot when I took it out. It's got to be a better way to say that. (laughs) Moj, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, getting back to the malaprops. Yeah. You're talking Sopranos. Remember Pine Barrens? Yes. uh, Uh, He was an interior decorator. He killed 13 (laughs) Czechoslovakians. That's a great moment. That's a great moment in TV history. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, man. I just howled. That was probably one of the best Soprano episodes ever. And, yeah, getting back to this, I'm listening. I'm hearing you guys talking about rolling vibrators. Yeah. I got a dog hooking up with a, a robot. I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on in the seven o'clock hour, but I'm just wondering the pizza better be warm though. But a dog suddenly has got like a little heating mechanism. To it, it did, right? it did, yeah, yeah. Thank and then you. who's yeah. to say like who's what about just kidnapping the robot one day? You see the robot say, "I'm kidnap the robot." Like you know, hey, you want your robot back? Give me five hundred bucks. You would have to kidnap the robot because you can't get the food unless you have a personalized pin, right, Andy? Like they give you a code. To access, they the do. Food. They, yeah, they texted the uh, unlock code. But Moj went next level and just abducted the robot altogether, which would create <laughs> create a conundrum. There's got to be a tracking device on it. I'm sure you could track it down pretty quick. Do you think that robot could survive in some of the tough neighborhoods of, say, New York, Chicago, whatever, Philadelphia? No. Remember, there was a friendly robot that rolled through Philadelphia, and they defaced it and murdered it, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, yeah no, there's only certain neighborhoods that the robot can exist in. Oh, hey, you know what? Your, your thought of tough neighborhoods and violence, that is a nice segue into the grudge match of this weekend between the Stamps and the Lions. Now, we had Vernon Adams on the show midweek, and I asked him what happened after the game against Calgary, and he politely uh, completely punted on the question. But based on your understanding of it, because I know it was a lot of like secondhand information, and this guy said this, and this guy said that, what exactly went down from the end of the game and then to whatever happened in the parking lot? Well, I've seen the video, and the oh, okay. do have video of the incident. Now, the video doesn't show the punch. However, um, you see, at the start of the video, you see Lucky Whitehead, Lucky Whitehead with his hands in the air, and then the cameraman, Nick Kowalski, kind of scrolls over to 
the scene on the field where guys are shaking hands and walking off. And you see Cam Judge kind of come running in, probably at about, I don't know, about like a 45-degree angle. You hear Whitehead say, what are you saying? And then the next thing you hear is like a punch. And then you scan back and Whitehead's on the ground. And this entire process takes probably about a second and a half or two seconds. Like if you're scrolling on the film, uh, if you're scrolling on the video, you can actually start at four seconds when I, on the video that I have. And within a second and a half, Whitehead's on the ground. So, I mean, you can say what you want, but I mean, anybody who just kind of runs up and hits a guy with a punch to me is a sucker punch. So, um, yeah, that's what happened. And the league had the video. Um, I don't think they're going to release the video. The Lions aren't going to release the video. Um, and basically, that, it is what it is, as Todd Bertuzzi would say, right. a one-game suspension. Yeah, I mean, Judge is a fairly integral part of that defense, so it's a loss for Calgary for sure. But it just kind of adds to the spice of this game because it is a back-to-back. There was the bad blood after the game. It was a tight game. All the games with Calgary this year have been pretty tight. And you go into this weekend, so you've got the backdrop of all that. And then the Lions can clinch a playoff spot with a win at home, which is a big deal. So I feel like there's a lot of emotion riding into this game. Yeah, yeah, there is. But I think probably the biggest emotion for the, the Lions right now is that sense of belief again. And I think that's what Vernon Adams gave them in Calgary. I mean, this was a team that struggled without Nathan Rourke losing two games to Saskatchewan and Montreal. And, you know, it, Vernon Adams just gave this team hope. They believe they can win any game now with Vernon Adams at quarterback. I mean, he was 25 of 32. He didn't make any mistakes. He's, he's getting more and more comfortable with the offense. And, you know, it's like having a goalie in hockey, guys. I mean, if you've got that guy back there that you think, you know, Anytime he's in goal, you can win a hockey game. It's it's a great feeling to have. And conversely, when you have a guy that's, well, not that good, you feel like you got to be lights out to win a game. And, and the same thing holds true in football. And, and right now, I think the, the thing with Vernon Adams, he's given this team belief again. We're sp- speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. The other thing when we were talking to uh, Adams Jr., was he, he? We talked about getting the ball out quickly and getting it into the hands of the receivers. You know, I was reading a couple articles that said that was one of the things that maybe people didn't really appreciate enough about Nathan Rourke when he was starring in the starting QB role. Was he had a great release? He's got a great arm, and the accuracy and speed in which he gets the ball out really accentuates this receiver group. So I got a feeling that that kind of might be the blueprint for Adams right now. You know, get get it into the hands of the receivers. You don't have to make any like really long, complicated reads or throws, and then you saw it. He didn't score any touchdowns uh, in the win last week, but he also didn't turn the ball over that much, and that's a recipe for success. Yeah, and, you know, what happens, I mean, defense is eventually, if you keep, you know, just hitting those short routes, what's going to happen eventually, the defense will start taking those away, and then, you know, you take your shots downfield. So, you know, right now he's basically going to hit those short routes and feel comfortable getting to know the offense, and eventually the defense will start taking those and start jumping them, and once they do, then you start try hitting the home run ball. It's just it's like a chess match. It's back and forth, right? I mean, there's always a weakness in every defense. No matter what defense you call, there's a weakness. And it's the quarterback's job and the offensive coordinator's job to find that weakness in that defense that's called against you. Can Vernon Adams be even better as he learns more about his teammates? Um, or should we just expect what he did against the Stampeders, that's kind of what he does, and that's what we should be happy with. I think he can get better. I mean, he's still not 100%, you know, up to speed with this offense. It's still a work in progress. Um, And, you know, you talk about the chemistry with the receivers as well, right? 
that's the other thing. I mean, the the more you work with these guys, the more you learn the, the little nuances, the things they might do in certain situations. Um, it, it's going to bode well for Vernon Adams, and it's going to bode, bode well for the BC Lions offense. So, yeah, I think he can get better. Am I saying he's going to go 30 for 32 this week with 350 yards? No, but I think, you know, as we all know, progression's not linear. He might take a step back this week, but who knows by – three or four weeks from now, he'll probably be a lot more comfortable with the offense and probably putting up some decent numbers. Uh, Seahawks this weekend, they are slim one and a half point favorites at home against a, let's be honest, not very good Atlanta team. We just spoke to Brady Henderson from ESPN about all things Seahawks. And one of the things that we really talked about was the way that this team defends or more specifically the way that they don't a lot of missed tackles, a lot of, you know, over aggressiveness in pursuit and not making, you know, not finishing on first contact. There's a lot of guys that are getting yards after contact. Is that what you were seeing when you were watching the game against San Francisco? Because it was really glaringly apparent against the 49ers. Yeah, there was, there was one clip that, um, I can't remember what I saw on what website, but they, they, they were talking specifically about the fact that they had in football, there's an expression. We have people there or we had someone there. And right. What that means is you've basically, you know, executed the defense and you have someone there to make the tackle and they don't make the tackle. And there's a great example that they showed where Taylor and Brooks were right there and they should have been like a tackle for a loss. And instead it turns out to be a 13 yard gain because they don't make the tackle. And of course they're the second level. And once you get to the second level, you're kind of off to the races. So, yeah, I mean, I look at that run defense and I think it's going to have to start with Brooks and Taylor because they've been average at best for the Seahawks, or at least last weekend they were. And, I mean, hey, let's not kid ourselves. The offense hasn't scored a point in six quarters. I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it it all kind of works hand in hand, right? And if your offense is moving the ball, your defense stays fresh, and they can go out there and they can be aggressive and, you know, field positions and other issues as well. All of a sudden, it's, you know, your defense is out there all the time. You you get worn down. And I heard Bruff talking about this earlier, and he made a, a really good point for once. Um, and that is the Thank fact you. that there's nothing more depressing. And anyone who's been involved with football as a coach, a player, even as a fan, and, you know, Bruff pointed this out, when people are running at you mm-hmm. at will, mm-hmm. it is the, the most discouraging, depressing thing that can happen to a football team. Because there, there's nothing like, you know, it's not like the passing game where you kind of, you might be running some certain routes or whatever that you might not. This is just mano o mano. Hey, we're running the ball. We're coming right at you. Stop us. And when you can't do it, when you see these games where teams rush for 150, 200, or, you know, you see some of these college games sometimes where it's like 250, 300 yards. Man, it's like it's like your manhood's being taken away from you. Is it significantly significantly harder to coach, teach, and practice tackling now in the modern climate? Um, I think so. And you know, it's the the pros and the cons. Obviously, it, the pros of not tackling, um, doing full speed tackling drills and practice are that players obviously aren't getting injured. Um, so you know, you look at the money that coaches or organizations are investing in these players the last thing you want to do is have a, a tackling drill and right jordan right. brooks you know separate a shoulder yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. right in a full speed drill so clearly but you know it comes at an expense and and you know you get into games and sometimes especially with the nfl you're not and, and even in the cfl you're going to see sloppy tackling for the first two or three weeks because they have a tackle in preseason right i mean you know they don't do it in the games because they're not playing and you know the first two three four weeks of the season, you're going to see sloppy tackling, and then eventually you see it kind of come around and get better. 
Moj, this was great, bud. Thanks a lot for doing it. We really appreciate hey, hey, it. Hey, hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. Hey. You want to ask, ask us anything? Ask us anything Friday, man. What's up? There's a lot for you specifically, by the way. Fire away. Okay. What do we got? Juan from Comox. Question for Moj. Which Canadian stadium has the best food? Talking hockey or football? Whatever you, Wherever you want to go. You're so well-traveled, we'll let you go hockey or football. I'll go Montreal and the hot dogs. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a very solid choice. The hot choice. dogs in Montreal are just like, they're like angels dancing on your tongue. Oh, Moj is a poet. That's very well done, bud. I, I heard uh, the Nordiques at the old uh, Quebec arena yeah. used to have the best hot dogs. Did you ever experience that? I, I obviously, no. I, I, I never went to the Forum and I never went to the, the Colisee either, but uh, maybe it's just something about Quebec and food that's bad for you, that they just do yeah. really well. Legendary. There's a story I think one time John Garrett actually got hot dogs like delivered in between periods or something. To the bench, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something like that out there, but no, I mean, the, the hot dogs, the Quebec City, I heard, were like phenomenal off the charts. I, I've never been, obviously, to a game in Quebec City, but I have been to a game at the Bell Centre and the hot dogs there. Um, they pretty much carried over from the forum. So, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to so in San Francisco, too, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm going to assume the answer to this is yes, but I'm asking because for me it's no. Have you you've been to Schwartz's Deli in Montreal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. How good is that? Because I've never been. But, I mean, the pictures and the reviews and everything, it's like I feel like I need to go at some point. Julio and I always have a debate because he's a Duns guy. Oh, uh, okay. Guy. I, I like Schwartz's because it's just like it's old school. You walk in there, it feels like, you know, you're in the 1940s or whatever, the red and white uh, checkered tablecloths. Oh. And it, it's just a really cool place and just the history of it all. Are, are you going to Montreal soon? No. I haven't left the province in the better part of three years. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> one day, one day I'll make my way back and I'm going to go hey, to, I'm going to go to Schwartz's always, and Dunn's in the same day. There's always a lineup at Schwartz's, but let me know. I'll get you hooked up. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the Lions and the Seahawks hooked this weekend. Up at a deli. I love it, man. I need this in my life. I got nothing. I hey, it, it, if you ever go to Montreal, just ask for Frank, tell him I sent you. You're all good. See, this is tremendous. I need these kind of connections in my life. Thanks Moj, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. Great weekend, guys. Thanks. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group and your deli hookup guy when anywhere in the province of Quebec. I don't think I've ever heard someone say, if you're going to this deli, tell them Moj sent you. Oh, I, that, They'll take care of you. That's, remember when we used to, like, anytime Moj brought something up when we were doing the crossovers at 1040. Yeah. He always had a guy. Remember he had a bed guy when he got his bed Oh, installed? he did have a bed guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he got, I, got a, I got a guy. He, he had a bed, like, built out with drawers, and I'm assuming racing fins. He's the, like Bob Sacamano. Or yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's like, well, I got a bed guy. And I was like, record scratch. Like, you have a bed guy. Like, how often are you getting beds that you he's have a, a deli guy? guy. Well, Why he's got, wouldn't yeah, he have a bed guy? You could go to a deli on, like, a regular regular basis. I mean, how often are you getting your bed replaced? I guess if you're Moj. You got a guy all the time. You got a guy. Anyway, so I'm not surprised he's got Deli guy. We got to do two quick things in 10 minutes, which is really tough for us. Uh, The first is to make our NFL locks of the week. I'm 0-2, so bet against me. I'm I'm already off to a – I'm in mid-season terrible – gambling form uh Mm. we've also got to do just a quick quick preview of canada's friendly against qatar which starts about an hour after we're not going to get too into like how do we break down qatar Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's more just 
you know, Canada's got three friendlies left before the World Cup. Fairly big deal. So we're going to be watching to see what kind of form they're in, um, what John Herbin does with his lineup, how he deploys it, because I, I imagine that there's not going to be a ton of experimenting, but who knows. Uh, let's start with the NFL. Yeah. I got my eye on a couple of games. Obviously, I've already talked about the Sunday nighter uh, between the 49ers and the Broncos. I, I'm not going to bet on a Broncos game even though I, I would like to bet on the Broncos again as kind of a reverse jinx. Although I don't know if I would because I'd like the 49ers to lose too. So I'm going to choose another game that I'm really looking forward to. This is Sunday morning, Buffalo at Miami. Going to be a good one. A couple of 2-0 and teams. Um, that Dolphins-Ravens game was terrific. Obviously, the Dolphins had an incredible comeback. Tua had, what, six touchdown passes, but a couple of interceptions too. Very busy day for Tua. Tyreek Hill has been a great addition for the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are at home and they're five and a half point dogs. I get the line. Mm -hmm. Buffalo has been absolutely dominant, but I'm going to take the Dolphins plus five and a half because I feel like this is going to be a real statement game for them. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be feeling good uh, about their comeback against the Ravens. I wouldn't be surprised if this is an absolute shootout that comes down to the last play of the game. So give me the Dolphins plus five and a half. Luck of the week. Everyone can hear the snapping in the background. Um, I was oh, getting to it. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know. That was a good read. Uh, I'm going Monday Night Football here. So we got classic NFC East rivalry. It's the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Did you see what Jerry Jones did this week? I think Jerry Jones has like, Eternal FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Yeah, fear of moving out. No, <laughs> that's so, what I had as a so, as a uh, young person and an old person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, why are you, why are you telling me this? Because Jerry Jones doesn't like it when the Cowboys aren't in the news and aren't in the spotlight, and when people aren't paying attention to him and paying attention to something else, he feels like he's missing out. He's got eternal FOMO. Okay. So this week, after one week of Cooper Rush at quarterback. He has now said, wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something, Cowboys fans? If we had an open quarterback competition, maybe Cooper Rush won this thing. I love it. So he's basically thrown into the equation, what, Dak's future in Dallas? I don't, he just, I think he just says stuff and doesn't really think of the ramifications because yeah. here's the thing. He doesn't want the, I understand from Jones's perspective, he doesn't want the season to go awry. He doesn't want anything other than to Cooper Rush go out there and win football games. Yeah. So why not boost this guy's confidence as much as possible going into Monday Night Football? Yeah, right. why, I mean, why not? Get, get your pick because we got things to do here, pal. Fine. I'm going to take the Cowboys. By the way, the Giants are a total mirage. They're not a 2-0 football team. They're only one-point favorites at home. Mm -hmm. If you're going to give me the Cowboys plus a point on Monday Night Football against the Giants team that's not that good, I'll lock it up. Yeah, I know I took Dallas two weeks ago, but that was with the old starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. This is the new starting quarterback. Cooper Rush. Give me the Cowboys. Plus one, Monday Night Football, lock of the week. Lock of the week. Go. I, I love all the people that get like so fired up with my picks. Yeah. Like they're just it. like people angry. They're like, they're like, what are you smoking betting against the Bills? Well, then make go make a bunch of money on it if you're so smart. Right? Like it's a point spread. Yeah. It's also like, I, like, is it, if it's I easy money, then why are you spending time texting into the show? You're so good at this, Here's don't the, make a lot of money gambling on sports. In the listener's defense, sometimes we do bits and gags that people don't get. <laughs> right? Like, okay, you guys are through the looking glass here. Like, locks of the week, you should not spend any money on them. 
right? Yeah, obviously. You don't do we that. We pick the most high-profile games or the funniest angles, and we go with them. I use a bit from The Simpsons where he says, if you're right 51% of the time, it means you're wrong 49%. Like, that's... <laughs> Don't, I, but again, this guy might not know that. He might think this is serious gambling advice. That's, uh, yeah, you signed at Bills by 10. I think that means you're, well, the, not then, your then, you, then you should go bet on that, man. Like, you also that seems bet like on that. that seems like free money. There's free money on this Buffalo Bills Miami Dolphins game. Go to playnow.com. I'll throw that out there. Okay. You want to do the Canada soccer stuff now? Cause they kick off in an hour and 40 minutes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Canada, Qatar. What are you looking for? Uh, just a few minutes here. Uh, Canada's got Qatar today. Uh, they play Uruguay in a few days. And then right before the World Cup in November, they play Japan. So three games to warm up for, again, the World Cup. Yeah, well, you said, and I quote, come up with three things so it's not your usual scattered, disorganized analysis. Thanks for that, by the way. So three things that I'm looking for. Three things that Canada should be looking for. One, What's going to happen in the center of the park? Because everyone knows the first two games of the World Cup are going to be up against a midfield with Luka Modric and the Croats and Kevin De Bruyne and Belgium. Not in that order. It's Belgium first. Basically, it's going to be two of the biggest tests on the international stage right in the middle of the park, the center of midfield. Tough part for Canada with this two-game window here. No Jonathan Osorio, no Atiba Hutchinson, two guys that were very instrumental and like consistent figures during World Cup qualifying. The bigger issue is, are these guys going to get healthy in time to be ready for Qatar? Not the friendly that happens in an hour or 20 minutes, the actual tournament. So center of the midfield, that's one thing to look at. Stephanie Stacchio is going to have to do all the heavy lifting. Two, the strength of this team, without question, is in attack. If you look at how they release their roster, the players at forward, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren, Tejon Buchanan. Buchanan's out today. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's not playing. Junior Hoylett, who's going to captain the team which leads you to believe he's going to start. So, Mike, I just want to boil it down to, like, what is what is, what is is the number one objective for Canada in these games? Is it to get, well, brings like, me to inform, point number three. or is it, to, uh, is it to experiment with a few things? Well, Jason, that brings me to point number three. The goal and the biggest thing of all the three points, can they get the good vibes back? That's yeah, the biggest thing. Yeah, they've kind thing. of lost the vibes. They've they? lost their mojo. Yeah. Remember, when this team qualified against Jamaica with that 4-0 win at home, it was about as emotionally uplifting as it could be. Oh, my God, we're going back to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. This team came out of nowhere to do it. They clinched at home. It was great. That was March. That was a long time ago. Everything since then has kind of been bad. Mm-hmm. There hasn't really been a lot of good moments over the, the better part of seven months. Like There was the debacle here where they had the two canceled matches against Iran and Panama. They actually have only won one game in the last seven months, and that was against Curacao. Like, yeah. All due respect to Curacao. They've suffered some injuries. Guys that they thought that were going to go to European teams and play a lot haven't. And they're still embroiled in a battle with their own organization. Like they're, It was such good times. Nothing really, really went wrong during World Cup qualifying. Yeah. Remember, we talked about that a few times. We're like, this feels really Everything magic. went great. It was like a dream. It was a dream run. And as sports fans, what are we programmed to happen when things are going really well? Yeah, something bad. And it did. I actually think we made a joke. After Canada had uh, played, had qualified for the World Cup, and we were all excited, and then we joked. And next comes like the uh, I, I can't even, like the I can't even remember what we called it the crisis mm-hmm. or the scandal. That yep. was what we were Scandals. like. There, oh, there's going to be a scandal for sure now. And it, while it wasn't a scandal, 
it, it was certainly like a, a, a big negative story. So the biggest thing that they need to get out of this two-match window against Qatar and Uruguay is honestly, it sounds kind of like a joke, but it's serious. They need to get the good vibes back. They need to be able to go into this tournament with something positive working in their in their fashion order, whatever. Because uh, they have also got an, a friendly coming up against Japan right before the start of the World Cup. And Japan absolutely destroyed the U.S. this morning, 2-0, in a match that the U.S. was taking very seriously. If you look at the shot differential, if you look at a lot of the metrics about how slanted this game was in Japan's favor, it really was. So Canada, I'm hoping, like, all hope that they can get a good result and they can show well against Qatar today. Then the big test is going to be next week with Uruguay because that is a team that is um, one of the best teams in South America has a ton of high-profile, high-priced players playing in big markets in Europe. It's going to be a real test for Canada. Uh, one final segment to go. Uh, I know you all probably ran to your bookies because you heard there's free money available in this Bills-Dolphins game in, in Miami. Uh, get your Ask Us Anythings in. Get your What We Learns in. One final segment of the Halford & Bruff Show this week on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to Kelowna, California, West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah, Kelowna, baby, best place in the world, right here. <laughs> Kelowna, California, Kelowna, California, Kelowna, California, Hey, 31 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet, sweet Friday. Alfred and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can also visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore, Acura, Acura of Langley, and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Okay, it is time for what we learns and ask us anything. Um, there are like a couple of stories that, quite frankly, probably deserve more mention on the show, but we're just going to run out of time. You saw how we crammed in stuff to the last segment. We haven't talked at all about the Ami Udoka story. I think that I might just wait till Monday because it feels like there's new details being leaked out every waking moment of every hour of every day. I don't really have a firm grasp on exactly what's going on. I know it's my job, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. So we'll park that one. And real quick, you mentioned it uh, in the notes. What a terrible uh, turn of events for Nolan Patrick the once Ballyhooed prospect that was at one time in conversation for being the first overall pick in the NHL has just been marred by concussion and migraine problems. And yesterday Vegas announced that he's going to miss the entire season, uh, which has just further derailed his career. He of course was the Elias Pettersson draft. So I just wanted to throw those two out there because we haven't mentioned them. Okay. Uh, we've got ask us anything's and what we learned. We got a, what we learned from Laddie. Why don't you go? Okay. Uh, what well, we learned, this is perhaps one of the most embarrassing things on a playing field, playing surface that I've ever seen. I've done a lot of things that are embarrassing, long shot goals, misplaying the puck behind the net. But just listen to this clip. It's about 20 seconds long, and I'll, I'll explain it a little bit after. 1-1 one, one pitch. Perez launches this one out to left center. And the wind, oh my goodness, going to knock it down. He Caught. thought that was gone. So did I. Malloy makes the catch. Perez, I think, still thinks it's out. Oh, he He's does. going around the bases. He thinks it's gone. Oh, no. 
<laughs> there he goes, rounding the bases. He flipped the bat. This, yes. He did it all. The call was great. It was about there. 10 feet short of the warning track. It wasn't even close so to the, being So the wind knocked it down, or yeah. he just didn't hit it as hard as he thought he did? Probably a little bit of both. A bit of but both. So, but the so, wind, it's, yeah. so it's Delvin Perez, who plays for Atlanta's minor league affiliate, yeah. and... The call that is, is awesome. The call is the, sharing in his embarrassment in real time, like, oh no! Like, the, not not just not, not just doing something like that, but just having the like the bravado to throw your bat. What was, and, was he like blowing kisses to the crowd or yeah. something? Or? And, and also kudos to the team, the opposing team, for yeah. not saying anything to him while he's rounding the bases. He got all the way to home before the umpire told him. And his reaction, if you watch the videos, is yeah. pretty funny. Because he he did. What he was had, it, what was his reaction? Just he, head in the hands, like he just couldn't believe. Yeah, but the first <laughs> reaction was like swag. Like he's like, I knocked this swag. He, I don't want to say he like bat flipped it, but he he was well, he bat flipped it. Yeah, he was strutting right. Like it was. Oh man, I got this guy. And yeah, the reaction at home. It's a great clip. It actually does justice both in audio and video. Good job, laddie. That's tough to do. I'm so embarrassed. I wish there was a hole I could just crawl into and die. Okay, throw in the hole. <laughs> That's that's kind of what I would feel like if I was in that. Mook out. Uh, a dog. Were you able to sort yours out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I got the audio for Laddie. So yeah, what happened last night? It, it got a lot of play on Twitter because people were just you know couldn't believe. Well, it is Daryl Sutter. So this is a Daryl Sutter uh, press conference yesterday, I guess after their practice, and one of the reporters, I'm not sure who asked if he could make a comparison between uh, Tyler Toffoli and Matthew Kachuk. If Laddie, if you want to play the audio. As far as their skill sets, any comparisons between Kachuk and Toffoli? Uh, one guy's won Stanley Cups. Been a big part of long playoff runs. Now, naturally, people nice. reacted like, "Is he is he just like murdering Kachuk yes. live here? Is yes. that is that what's happening right that's now?" Because exactly if so, that's hilarious. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Daryl Sutter wasn't very impressed with Matthew Kachuk's performance in that Oilers series. And then he asked, and then he wanted to quit the team. Yeah. I mean, that's why he specifically said that's a guy that's helped championship teams win. Mm-hmm. Like, in his mind, and he's not wrong, Kachuk no-showed after game one in the second round loss to Edmonton, and then was like, yeah, I want out. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with anything Sutter said. You don't usually say it out loud. It's like, he said the quiet part out yeah. loud. But, well, he's not going to be very impressed with that. No, and right? yeah, and like Daryl Sutter's not going to try and like cajole. Like he doesn't. What does he care? He doesn't have to deal with. He's not going to sit there and like we'll miss him a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to sugarcoat uh, it. No, the, the one thing I'll miss the most his smile yeah. and the laughs. The laughs we had. No, he's not going to miss. He's probably super pissed. That was a tame version of what he wanted to say. That was a good find though too. I didn't see. I saw it, but I didn't hear it until right now. And he had the classic Daryl Sutter delivery too, which makes it good. Okay, Mook out that. Go. Uh, so I learned at today's um, President's Cup session, it's four balls. Um, yesterday was the foursomes. I, I'm not going to get into the difference. Who cares? Uh, the two Canadians are together, Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith. They will uh, go up against Billy Horschel and Max Homa. Yesterday, the Canadians played. They were split up. Mm-hmm. Both of them lost. The Americans were so much better than the international team. And it was a little disappointing to watch, to be perfectly honest with you, because I really love team golf. Like, I love the Ryder Cup. Yeah. I love the President's Cup if it's close. Because I think there's something about team golf that I I just, I, I like the strategy. The stakes seem higher when... You have to make a shot, and it's not just for yourself. It's for your team. Now, I know Live Golf is trying this whole team thing. I'm yeah. not sure it's going to 
there need to be there need to be stakes like the the, the, Absolutely. the the country versus country or you know if you just put together a team I'm not sure it would work but I would like to see either Live Golf or the PGA Tour have more team events just cuz I think it's fun right like golf is such a usually such an individual sport and then you add this team element to it it adds something yeah um the Canadians yesterday I thought Pendrith played well. Um, he was let down a little bit by his partner, uh, Mito Pereira, on 18, who probably shouldn't be hitting tee shots on 18 ever again. Okay. Um, he was the guy that hit that uh, bad drive at the PGA that cost him. Uh, he had a bad drive on 18 yesterday. Taylor Pendrith actually had a putt to tie the match. He missed the putt. It was a long putt, longish putt. Uh, Corey Connors was disappointing. Um, he was supposed to be, um, you know, like one of the, one of the guys that this international team was going to depend on, mm-hmm. um, him and, uh, the Korean M came up against Spieth and Thomas and Spieth and Thomas are a good partnership for the Americans, but <laughs> I don't know if you saw Justin Thomas hit one of the worst golf shots I've ever seen a no. professional golfer I did not see it. And he actually does this sometimes. Justin Thomas has bad misses. He's okay. a great player, but he hit, there was a par three that was, I think about 178 yards. He fully chunked it. Like, yeah. like you would see this shot on, at like Burnaby Mountain right. or Riverway. <laughs> Having worked great there, courses, great bang for the buck. Uh, not always the best golfers. Uh, Justin Thomas hit it maybe 120 yards, but here was the key. They tied the hole right? because Jordan Spieth made a great pitch to within like a couple of feet and they parred it and the, the Corey Connors and his partner couldn't take advantage of it. And that just seemed like the story all day. Like the Americans were making putts. They were great around the greens and the internationals were just so far behind I don't give Sunday much of a chance of being compelling. I hope I'm wrong about that because I, you know, I, I often look back on that uh, Ryder Cup at Medina mm-hmm. that Sunday where the European staged the comeback, and I think it was the most fun I've ever had watching golf. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love Sundays at majors. Don't get me wrong, especially when they're competitive. But there's something about team golf that I really enjoy. Uh, I don't need Halford to say anything about this. Give me a moo cow. Thank God. Okay, let's go to the inbox. I don't want to I, put I don't want to put you in that uh, position. My my Snoop one, the my, dog actually texts in PGA versus Live Golf would be fun. Yeah, that yeah. would be amazing, yeah. but I don't think that's going to happen. And a knife fight to follow. That'd be fun too. Uh, ask us anything. This is from Lofty the Washer guy in Kelowna. What's the corniest sports movie ever? For me, The Replacements and Mystery Alaska. There is a laundry list of really bad sports movies. Did you really hard to do? <laughs> because um, anyone that knows like anything about sports is going to watch them probably first and foremost, and then they're going to point out either the inherent flaws or how unre- unrealistic it is, or like this is way over yeah. the top, or which I think is why the sports documentary has blown up in the way that it has. Because there's being there's a story being told for you authentically. Mm-hmm. It's the sport being laid out. But it's funny, you were saying you were watching the Welcome to Wrexham documentary, and you said it almost felt scripted a little bit. Yeah, it felt like they knew the story they wanted to tell, and now they're telling it. Right. 
Um, to be fair, I, I really didn't give it much of a shot. The reviews have not been like otherworldly. Because I watched it for five minutes and I'm like, yeah, this is what I expected. Like, you know, Ryan Reynolds and uh, who else is he with? Uh, Rob McElhaney. Right, Rob McElhaney. Yeah. yeah. Um, They've bought this team and now they're going to go meet the townsfolk, right? And the townsfolk from this hardworking, I imagine, Welsh town. I don't know if they all worked in the coal mines or whatever there, but, you know. Uh, you know, they're going to say like how much the, how much the club means to them and how they're a little skeptical of these Hollywood types coming in here. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's no surprises. Right. On that note, um, we're sports movies of all times. Cause we were, t- for some reason we were talking about Ghostbusters two this yeah, morning. Cause it's amazing. Oh, right. That's what it was. Yeah. dog's favorite movie. Well, one of them. <laughs> Ghostbusters the fact two. it's even in the conversation is oh, not. Oh, dude. Hold on. It's not Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters 2. Well, well, but they're both great. I love arguably, both. Arguably known as the most reviled yeah. sequel in movie franchise Yeah, history. I don't ever, I've never gotten that. Ghostbusters well, 2 is I don't terrific. know if it was the most. No, no. It's, it's largely, I mean, it's largely low. People, cri- in the, in people the criticize it because it's obviously not as good as the first one. Yeah. Which people I, criticize it because it is a poor example <laughs> of movie making. Yeah. It's great. Ghostbusters 2 is awesome. Oh, look it's at that really scary good. painting. I think it's alive. Hey, man, that, <laughs> I saw that when I was five, and it it's, it still freaks me out. Now, Andy. And you're, and now you're seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, Andy, a couple years. tell the people the adorable thing that you do with Ghostbusters okay, 2. Okay, so yeah, Ghostbusters 2 is my New Year's Eve movie. Okay. If I'm not out, I'll put on Ghostbusters 2. I want to say it's like 10.36 and change, and if you do that, right at midnight, Bill Murray will wish you a happy New Year. He's so adorable, <laughs> folks. I just want to... Cornea sports movie. Uh, how about Airbud? Airbud's terrible. There's I mean, like 18 of yeah. them. Filmed here. The only reason I brought up the sequel thing is I didn't even realize there was a Caddyshack 2. <laughs> did you know that? Straight to video? Yeah, with Jackie Mason. Really? I did not know yeah, that yeah, this yeah, thing they, even It's a they, horror they, movie, actually. It's terrible. They, they, uh, <laughs> it's, ter- it's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. They turn uh, Bushwood Country Club <laughs> into like a into a like a mini golf thing. So it's on par with Ghostbusters 2. What's the whoa, worst? Whoa, whoa. What's the worst sequel of all time? We've done this one. Before. So it has to be, it can't just be, you know, the, the second Airbud didn't match up to the first Airbud <laughs> or whatever, you know, like. It really brought the franchise down. Yeah, it has to be a really good first movie. That is yeah, a first question. edition. There's been a lot of weird, like, spin offs of successful movies that don't have the same director, don't have the same cast. You can't, do you really include those ones? Like, it's just a money making scheme. In, um, in this, why? Well, because Bad News Bears was widely beloved, and then every subsequent. One was not very good. I'm, I'm, but I, see, the problem when you look up these lists is it's the, the first movie always also kind of sucked, too. Is it the Rocky franchise, maybe? Because like the first Rocky, of course, won the Oscar, and then the, all the follow-ups after that were, I mean, not wouldn't say terrible, but they definitely weren't anywhere near the quality of the original. Yeah. I don't know if it was. I'm not a Star Wars. Can you guys tell me how the second one was? Well, the well, second I one mean, might have been the best, right? Well, I mean, the original trilogy, the original, Empire yeah. is considered the best. I guess of the new Star Wars trilogy, like the sequel trilogy, some people might say that they you know, they hated The Last Jedi, but they loved the one before. Oh, Starship Troopers 2 is a good one from our inbox. That was, how is that a good one? No, it was not. Well, Starship oh. Troopers is good, but the <laughs> sequel is... You didn't like Starship Troopers? I don't. Re- well, I don't recall it being anything. I would don't don't remember. talk to him about movies. He really doesn't. Cars too. I because my kid was really into cars, 
I remember Cars 2 being a letdown for a lot One of One person did mention Dumb and Dumber, and that's a pretty good one, because obviously the first Dumb and Dumber is a classic. And oh, yeah. was it Dumb, Dumber, Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, or and something it was like, like a prequel that? or something like that, yeah. and it was just absolutely atrocious. Then they did an actual sequel, and it still wasn't. And it wasn't very good either, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm looking at uh, a list here, and they have, I didn't even know this movie was made, Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah. <laughs> the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> the cru- like, just even Cruise Control. <laughs> Like what? Is it gonna Why be as good as the first? Titanic. Uh, you no. use, you Billy use, and the Clonosaurus. You use cruise control on like the boring stretches of highway. Titanic <laughs> two. It's back in its pits. Takes place in the, Saskatchewan. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the road to uh, Melfort. So you're saying the entire car chase scene exists in a 30 mile an hour zone. Like we're gonna you can't have this. this a lot of people say the Matrix movies, like the first one, of course, is a classic, and the second and the third are, you know, they're okay, but definitely nowhere near as good as the first one. So that, a lot that might of, be the right answer. Hangover two, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. terrible. Yeah, that's actually absolutely that's, that's that's great. Terrible. Terrible. That's a great answer. Franchise. They ruined an otherwise yeah. great film. That's a great, great, they did three great answer. Hangovers, didn't they? Yes, they yeah. did three. They the went first back. one was so good, and the, the yeah. next two were just I don't know why they made them. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Speed two was on a cruise ship. So what the cruise no. ship? Like if this what? cruise ship oh, gets no, below true. eight yeah. knots, it's heading for that lighthouse. Goes out of control. It's moving like ten miles per hour. That's pretty great. Oh man! Okay. Uh, Chris in the hoof says Focus. Godfather three. Yeah, we were kind of talking about second. Yeah, edition. The There's one. been. I mean, look, Police Academy five wasn't the best. What was the one that Janet oh. Gretzky was in? It might have been Police Academy five. Citizens on Patrol. Wow. I there didn't... we go. This is a good one in the inbox, and actually, I think this would probably be my choice. Jaws two, because the first one, you know, is a uh, one of the greatest films of all time, and every other Jaws after the first one was just like. Absolutely god awful. Yeah. yeah. So I might actually say Jaws. How did he get him in the end in Jaws two? I can't remember. It's been so long since I saw it. I just remember seeing him being like, "Why was this movie made?" Smile, you son of a, you know what? That Ooh. was the first one, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Blue, they put a air, some air thingy in his mouth and shot a thing at it. I, I love the whole idea that the shark had a family and <laughs> the, the family was like the shark had friends in big like, places. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get these guys. Today. Jaws two is about the morning process. They're just remembering them. And <laughs> well, I remember. Was it? How do you uh, conduct a shark funeral? Do you go? Was it the third Jaws that they made in three D? And it was like a big deal at the time. The movie was terrible. That sounds. But it was right. like this shark is coming right at me. Yeah. <laughs> ah! Anchorman 2, I got see a couple of votes for that. That's There's a, an Anchorman that's a good 2. One. See, yeah. some of these I don't even know exist. Uh, Zoolander 2. There's a Zoolander 2. Not good. Some good votes in there. Uh, okay, here's an Ask Us Anything. If you had to keep only one of Dom or uh, Laddie or A-Dog, who would you choose? We've done this before. Like, it's a fight to the death. I loathe all my children equally. Like, I wouldn't choose. I would make them make the decision for me. With a series of feats of strength. No, just a straight, oh. straight. George, you fight your I'm more of like a trickery kind of fighter. I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> <laughs> just pocket, pocket sand in my I'm face. The, yeah. the brute strength kind Greg's of thing. Greg's finishing yeah. move is kicking a guy in the back yeah. when he's not looking. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, I'd make them fight to the death for it, for sure. Uh, ask uh, us anything. But I, I, again, to confirm, I don't like all of you equally. Yeah. Good. Thank uh, you. That's from fair. the Fordo. Ask us anything. Should the CFL consider markets like Victoria, Kelowna, Saskatoon, and Quebec City? The CFL was founded when cities were small and thrives in smaller markets with less competition. I think it's an intriguing thought for sure. Mm. Because one of the things about Saskatchewan and why it's such um, a strong market is that 
they don't have like Winnipeg has the Jets. Yeah. Right. Calgary and Edmonton. They have the, the they have NHL teams. They're they're not the only game in town. I know Saskatchewan has junior hockey and they they get into that, but it it's not the same. If you listen to I've been to Saskatchewan and I've heard their sports talk radio. Oh yeah. They get into the riders like we get into the Canucks. I have heard it and confirmed. And I think there is something to be said for going to a smaller market and being the big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I like to refer to those markets as the mid-majors. It's like in you know college basketball. It's like they're- Yeah. They, they they're do, a big deal. Yeah. They, yeah. It, yeah that, it matters when you're a mid-major, right? Mm-hmm. But you are you're a big fish in a small pond. Right? And I, I think it's an intriguing idea because I think uh, growth into new markets would probably be a, a priority for a team that ha- a league that has nine teams. It's an odd number. The Lions, we joked about this the other day, like the Lions are playing back-to-backs this week. They're, they're playing the same opponent home and away yeah. in consecutive weeks. Like It doesn't really happen in they football. They need to get it up to 10 teams at least. That would help. Um, I don't know if they're going to end up going to the Maritimes. they got to build a stadium there. Has that been in the works for a while? Yeah. It has been in the works. I mean, the pandemic really screwed things up. They, feel, they did I, have yeah. some momentum there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be, they got to pick the city though. Where is it going to be? Would it be Halifax? Would it be Moncton? Could they would just be... rotate? I wonder though. I'm not even have to. I'm not even have to. No, 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 no. They, I mean, they, they, they're having enough trouble building one stadium. <laughs> the I don't players, think they're going to The players would love it. It's like, I have to move every month to a different maritime province. Oh man. Some of the stories about them going to the Maritimes would be incredible be though. Great. Um, okay, I got. Are you done there? Because I got one. I'm here. done. Yeah. Uh, this is less depressed Finn. Not sure exactly what that means, but I'm reading it aloud. Ask us anything. Can the Canucks turn Ian Clark into a goalie factory and build up Martin Silovs, etc., to trade for good young defensemen while keeping top quality goaltending for the team? Friend, I think we've talked about this a million times. Probably mentioned it a few more. To get the assets that you want in the door, it's going to take a really good asset going out the door. No one trades anything of quality for goalie prospects. You'll get a couple picks, and it's a speculator's game. We go back to the Horvath conversation that we had off the top. The only reason to talk about him in the trade context is justifiably he would net you something in return. Wingers don't even get you much in return anymore. Yeah, You could have plucked him for free this summer if you wanted. Mm-hmm. You could have had Max Pacioretty for free. You could have had Oliver Bjorkstand for free if you had the cap space. Mm-hmm. That's just – it's that's the goalie market – is not something that's flush with like trade value and trade assets. Yeah, we need Sorry. the we need the Ian Clark that can coach up right shot defensemen. <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> can you make one of those out of thin air? That would be nice. So uh, a couple of people pointed out too that when Rutherford said that there's no good young right shot defenseman in the system, that everyone was like, he's pointing at Jet Wu. And I guess he kind of is by not pointing at him. What about Jonathan Myrenberg? Yeah. Like I mean, if 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 he's not mentioning them then there's a reason that he's not mentioning them. Mm. I, I wouldn't have any expectations for those guys to be what Rutherford envisions as a good young right-handed defenseman that's going to join the team. Hey, you know who's player. coaching with the Giants now? Who? Brent Seabrook. Oh, that's correct. Right-handed defenseman. Yes. Right? Yeah. Speaking of the Giants, they begin their season tonight, you guys. Ooh. The WHL. It's junior hockey Christmas today. I had no idea. BCHL and WHL are kicking it off tonight. Um, I, stoked. I, I hate to ask it in this way, but when did the Giants host Connor Bedard? Uh, later in the season, but it's they also have the prospects game this year. So. Right. Um, I'm going to town there. I would so like the to go. Question. I would like to go see the yeah. the Bedard game because there's a couple road trips that we have to make. Uh, we have to go see a Giants game and we have to see an Abbotsford Canucks game. Right. 
I would like to be there for for the Connor Bedard game because I think it would be cool. You were like, yeah, I watched him as a as a junior hockey player, right? It's actually too bad he doesn't play in BC. Someone texted in. It's the third Giants game of the season. That's the Connor Bedard game, and yeah. you know what? At home. Because we refuse to look things up or verify information for ourselves, <laughs> we just there you go. You could text in anything at this point. You could be like, they don't play Connor Bernard this year, and we'd be like, oh yeah, that checks out. Season's canceled. Oh, yeah. well, season's canceled. <laughs> oh, I guess, dang. guess. They were just going to get started. Someone told me. Did we figure it out? We have four com- four the, guys. The schedules four computers. Uh, for the WHL website uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, that's a tough website to get around. <laughs> honestly, it's got to say. Do you remember when the CFL website was mostly PDFs? Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I remember when we would have to, we would be looking up stats and be like, my dad could not get through this. The, you know what? <laughs> I will say, I do miss the old printout days. That, <laughs> November 25th. Yeah, there the you go. is in town. Ruff used to have yeah, a. So it's go- not the. Th- it's not the. Th- it's not third the third game. game. <laughs> yeah, he got it completely. That's what I said. We should have checked it out before we put it out there. November twenty fifth, the Regina Pats. Um, you Ruff had this. Th- we used to work at an office back in the day, and they had one of those high tech industrial printers that could print out millions of pages at once. He would. He found the inherent value of it. You would print out like books at work. You remember this? You would print out. Bill, 80 to Bill 90 Simmons. pages. Bill Simmons' articles. Yep. But I'd you, be like, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> He'd be at the printer for like seven minutes. So I'd be like, what's he printing out? I'm like, very important things. Yeah. I did print out some long stuff. I'd be like, here's a textbook. Yep. I want the whole thing. <laughs> okay, we got to go print some stuff. <laughs> but we will be back on Monday. Uh, signing off for now. It's been a fun week. Thank you all for joining us. I've been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Laddie. And he's been A-Dog. Give me the bark. Give me the bark. Give me the bark. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.